0: Thanks for tuning in to Providence Leftist Radio. I am Alex joined with Andy and Evan. And we are joined today by our good friend Carlos, who actually is going to become the new co-host. We are phasing out one gentleman for Carlos that we're really excited about. Uh, not for phasing Andy out, but just for having <laughs> Carlos as a PR as a is upgrading. Yeah. Hello. So, Carlos, do you
1: want to say anything about yourself? Yeah. Um, uh, my name's Carlos. Um, uh, wow, I should have actually thought this ahead of time for my own explanation, but long story <laughs> short, I am a communist. I am a big fan of marginalized people arming themselves. I do a lot of variety of things in relation to local music. And... I currently only drink seltzers now.
0: Me too. And you have <laughs> a you have a YouTube channel too, right? You can Yes,
1: that. I do have a YouTube channel. Uh, it goes under the name "The Nightmare Continues." It is a discharge reference. The whole premise of the YouTube channel is uh, the main episodes are primarily picking a topic. For example, the first episode was in relation to how um, companies have essentially used propaganda to take the responsibility of global warming and pollution away from themselves onto the general public. And the whole point of the, cha- uh, the channel is basically bringing awareness to things like that, while pretty much with the whole theme of things are bad and they're just going to get worse.
2: <laughs> Carlos, we actually had you on once before. Earlier yes, on. yeah, way ago. <laughs> listeners might recognize your voice. So, yeah, it's uh, really great. have you on and to continue having you on afterwards and uh yeah thanks for joining us and being part of the journey from the get hell yeah yeah we're we're excited to to have you on board um speaking of having people back this is alex's first time back that's true. from being back from russia and um that is true yeah can you just give us like a quick little uh thing about coming back over here and um just your impressions real quick
0: yeah you know i i was uh i wouldn't say that i was like stuck in russia but i was ordered by the state department to leave um, because i was there on a grant that is partially funded by the state department so when they were like you could stay in russia but we're not gonna give you any money anymore it was like oh shit i have to leave now Um, but all the prices to leave like the flights, uh, out of Russia anywhere were like, so price gouged that my only option was to get on a bus, take the bus to Finland, fly from Finland to Chicago. And then here, uh, I wasn't supposed to be back until May. So it was kind of weird, like adjusting so abruptly and much earlier than I anticipated. Um, but you know, After everything that's happened since I was gone, I'm glad to be back, which we'll talk about in a minute in regard to Red Ink. But uh, I also wanted to plug real quick that uh, I've been posting some theory readings on the Patreon. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, uh, consider doing that for like as little as a dollar a month. And I'm starting right now by posting all of the sort of titans of political economy. So I posted uh, Malthus yesterday. Uh, Adam Smith is next. I'm going to get into Ricardo. So all of these people that if you've ever read Marx's Capital, you'll see that he refers to all these guys um, to to work out his, his theory of political economy. So I think that what I'm trying to do is equip people with the knowledge of what, for example, Adam Smith was about, what Ricardo was about, so that When you do read Marx, if you do read Marx, you understand like literally who he's talking to. Of course, it's like a hundred years separating somebody like Ricardo from Marx, but he's still talking to them through time and space about the origin of money, what labor is and yada yada. So yeah, for a dollar a month or more, however generous you are, you can get access to those readings. And it's mostly just readings that I've been doing, but I do stop like in between chapters and do like a little brief explanation of of how to interpret that chapter that I just read but and you also teach for a living I also do teach this stuff too so you know I'm trying not to get too deep into the teaching aspect of these readings and just give the reading itself gotcha. so that so that you can uh, interpret it but you can also hear how bad of a uh, out loud reader I am too, because I, especially reading Malthus, the copy I have uses a lot of like the, the old English. And so I'm like stumbling over things and, you know, I'm not going to record it a million times because it's a lot to read, but you know, it's out there and you, you can understand it, I'm sure. But back to the previous point about wh- everything that was going on while I was gone, I think the most notable event was uh, what happened at Red which uh red ink has uh they did organize a community forum where people participated and talked
2: about how to uh, better better strengthen the place yeah so before we get into the response to red ink to the event let's talk about the event so i wasn't there You were. so uh on february 21st actually carlos's birthday right
1: yeah Yeah. it was my birthday i was eating cake and then i found out that was going on (laughs) yeah
2: uh well we were having uh a reading of the communist manifesto on red books day it's called red books day because it's the anniversary of which it was published over in uh germany and about towards the end of the reading we were finishing up the first chapter on uh um basically historical materialism and the trajectory of society through its productive capacity and all of a sudden you saw like, 5, six, seven, 12, 15 people bring, like, Nazi, you know, flags on their shirts, literal carrying flags, and asking where Antifa is and stuff. And there was just, like, <laughs> literally three of us in the library. Through where four. is Antifa? Yeah, exactly. It was kind of silly. And then uh neighborhood all came out, told them to fuck off, and uh, they left. And afterwards, you know, it kind of shook up the community. Obviously, uh Communities in general don't see too many Nazis roaming around with flags, especially ones that have a high Jewish population in that area. Yeah, and uh, so Red Ink had a community forum, like Alex said, Mm -hmm. and we took in a lot of concerns and a lot of, um, and turned that into a lot of solutions for a lot of the security and just general feelings of well-being and safety that um, that are at Red Ink. And it was really good. It was really productive. It was safe for everyone that uh, was part of it. And Red Ink is enjoying a lot of solidarity in the community, and also internationally with all the other uh, libraries that are a part of Red Book's Day as well. Also, if you want to learn more about it, you can look it up on the New York Times, on the Boston Globe, yeah. Uprise RI. It's absolutely there. Everything.
0: Were a lot of people in the community that suggested that we shouldn't have done so many interviews and advertised it a lot. But my take with that is that like we're like Red Ink is not a Activist group or like an affinity group, it is a institution. It's mm-hmm. like brick and mortar, and so I think that in that sense, it makes it a little bit different uh in terms of responding to it. That uh, we did have to sort of make it public, and I understand it's extremely frustrating for people who have been researching about fascists in this area for a long time and who have been involved in anti-fascist work because um, it seemed like what happened to Red Ink. Um, kind of materialized all of their fears like things that they've been, you know, worried that would happen. Um but very again, much. I think what's that Carlos?
1: very much has.
0: Yeah, but I think again because it's a brick and mortar place, there had to be some kind of um public response to it. But, you know, I have a friend that goes around town like scrubbing Nazi graffiti off walls uh and they were telling me that uh it was really upsetting to see like Governor Dan McKee go to the park next door and like talk about this where whereas like Nazi graffiti and Nazi flags have been going up in Rhode Island for a long time and people have been calling uh 311 about it for a long time and the city doesn't give a shit mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden when this happens to red ink everybody cares well, the reason is
2: because as soon as it hit like new york times and uh, you know the providence journal and boston globe the politicians then felt the pressure not to stick up for you know red ink or communists or what we were doing there they all kind of left that part out mm. right. um and they only focused on on the nazis so i mean it made their state look bad and so they
0: had to address it essentially yeah, is what but, happened yeah Um, But yeah, no, it's crazy. But if you go to Red Ink now, uh, poke around a little bit. There's a little table that has uh, tens of different cards that we got from community members and other libraries just expressing solidarity. Um, And there's uh, some of the uh, safety measures that uh, the community recommended to us are already implemented
2: there. So you can go and poke around and, and see that. And they're holding all sorts of events. Actually, Carlos, you're doing an event there, I think, this month? uh oh uh,
1: um i'm just advertising for the movie night as well the movie night there it Yeah. is yep. anti-war film festivals that are going on on specific days the one i'm really looking forward to is the 31st for dr strange love hell yeah good
2: one. yeah that's a extremely uh extremely good film to watch right now given the state of the world
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah i uh i took part in a anti-war demonstration which was cool i i like, I I respected the people that were there. um, But as Evan knows, I had some issue with some of the like kumbaya protesting, like, you know, there's people saying there and like, they had beautiful voices and everything like that. But I'm not sure how much that does for like, community advocating and giving people material reasons to resist war other than just saying like, war bad, don't war, you know, what I mean, like, there got to be more substance behind it. But I did a little speech there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it
2: was a, it was a nice event. um, Jordan from the PSL was there. Jordan from PSL. David Morales spoke. Um, I saw Corey Jones was there in in the audience as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was a council person, um, Alexis shoot, uh, from Pawtucket that came up there and started eulogizing, uh, um, Jim Langevin who's going to be leaving soon that was weird yeah I saw that I yeah heard that. it was strange I mean I can understand if the council person uh has had problems with internet security in the past but saying that we need to uh do what Jim Langevin was doing I feel is irresponsible because all of the um information systems and cybersecurity that is taken from uh that is taken and implemented in America and worldwide is taken from Israel. Israel is a colonizer state. I think as everyone listening here can agree. And uh, that means that it's in a constant state of warfare. Mm -hmm. And part of that is making trade in its own um, society to protect itself. So they have a really high technologically advanced information systems going there. And it's because we're also paying them to come up with it. So what's happening is Langevin is, committing American funds to Israel to tie even more ropes to us, to them together. That'll make it impossible to cut. So Mm. he's investing in Israel to increase our cybersecurity ability. And I'm not going to say that America doesn't have cybersecurity concerns. It does. I kind of hope America would fucking fall, but um, I feel like if Langevin was a good person, he wouldn't be investing in the security of the state in a place that's in constant oppression of uh, the native population of there. Yeah, that was weird. That one council person was really praising Langevin, which... But I mean, uh, they're a comedian. They came up and said, hey, I'm a comedian, I'm a council person, so I don't expect them to Maybe it to... was
0: comedy. Maybe it was yeah. ironic comedy. <laughs>
2: Maybe, hey, yeah. that's how you explain hey, if it. If that's the case, hats off to you, council person.
0: Yeah, who knows? Um, there's a lot going on in Rhode Island. Uh, Right now, I'm still catching up with the news. Uh, I feel like there's still so much that since I was gone, I I hadn't really paid much attention to. But one thing that I did see uh, was um, a whole package of anti-trans legislation moving through uh, the the Rhode Island House and the Rhode Island Senate. And I immediately sent it to Evan because Evan and I talk about this stuff a lot. Um, and Evan has been diligently doing research, so I want to hear what Evan has to say.
4: Well, I have a lot that I'm thinking about uh, that I have I haven't actually taken the time to really synthesize all of my thoughts and um, write a speech of what to say. I can I can explain uh, these bills. Um, Senate a bill 2501 and house bill 7539 um but uh i don't have like a statement on it yet you know when you when you grow up trans uh or just are trying to exist as a trans person this kind of stuff is all around you all the time um and so to have not no offense no disrespect but to have cis people sort of constantly ask me to to what I think about this stuff. It's like, I don't feel like I really have a choice in the matter, Um, but it is for me, no longer about me. I'm a teacher and this is, I'm thinking about the youth. Um, And even if I weren't a teacher, I would still be concerned with the youth. Um, I want things to be better and it really does start to become a matter of life and death. So, anti-trans legislation is a threat, a threat against lives. Um, So I I just really wanna make sure everybody understands the importance of that, the gravity of this. And I'm gonna do the best I can to explain it right now, but I also want to encourage people to do your own homework and look things up. I'm happy to share sources and resources with you. Um, And and hopefully, um, it can inspire people to figure out what they're going to do about it, because it's looking pretty grim. Um, so the Senate bill, uh, well, the both of the bills are related, supposedly to education. They've been put, they've been um, introduced as bills related to education. They both were introduced, um, like we, just weeks ago, um, and are jumping on a bandwagon like. So many states have this kind of legislation um, either on the books already or scheduled to be on the books. Certainly, we're all looking at Florida and places like that. Um, Iowa,
0: too, I think, right? Iowa, Iowa definitely.
4: Yeah. Um, it's, it's really all over. And for everyone who likes to tell uh, LGBT, LGBT uh, et cetera, folks, uh, things are getting better. Um, I would like to say to those people, no, they're not. (laughs) And where have you been? Um, But at least you're listening now. That's a good thing. So if I talk about this Senate bill, which was introduced by um, Senators Morgan, not Patricia Morgan, she's in the House, uh, Senators Morgan and Lombardo. Lombardo is a, a Democrat, by the way um this is basically it's also known as the fairness in women's sports act so this is one of those bills that is specifically about um sports and not allowing trans uh people uh trans youth mostly trans women trans trans girls um also known as regular women and girls um but not allowing people who do not um align their social identity with their um assigned sex at birth uh, from participating in sports events, competition um, on on a team, because teams are divided by gender or divided by sexual expectation. Um, And so anybody whose gender uh, does not line up with what they were told they were at birth uh, has to compete with the group of whatever they were told that they were at birth. Um, And this is because uh, and I'm quoting the actual piece of legislation here, uh, there are inherent differences between men and women and that these differences remain cause for celebration, but not for denigration of the members of either sex uh, or for artificial constraints on an individual's opportunity. So this is very binary thinking, right? Uh, men and women only, either sex, um, and that there are big differences Uh, and they're calling this science, but it is really flimsy science. Um, It is science that has been combated by other actual real scientists all over the world. Um, And so, you know, people like to claim like, well, men, so men, meaning penis havers in these guys' minds, um, men are are, like stronger, have like more bone mass, um, you know, like, they're bigger, so that's important somehow. Um, And then also there's sort of an obsession with testosterone, Uh, not estrogen, Mm -hmm. testosterone. And so, yeah, nobody's complaining. I don't think anybody's complaining that cis women have an advantage in certain sports. I think people are just complaining that uh, trans women have uh, an advantage because They think that trans women are, like, plotting how to, like, beat out um, other women and girls uh, in their sports lives. Uh, They think that trans women are, like, plotting uh, and, like, going through this, like, horribly dangerous and, like, very, um, can be a real bummer to exist in this way, like, life, uh, just so that they can win some medals. And I think that that's, pretty peak transphobia. am I wrong? Um, so and and but it's also it's just not true like think about so like mm-hmm. if if men are penis havers and women are uh, you know vagina havers or whatever uh, again in the minds of the folks writing this stuff um what about how women women in quotes have more like endurance and like a lower center of gravity um, and like, uh, like they're more flexible and can like withstand pain a little bit more. Like There's so many things um, that, again, I think a lot of it comes down to just, a, again, a power struggle and it is transphobia, no matter what you call it. You can try to call it fairness. You wanna be fair to this little cis girls and the cis women who are on the swim team and have like been really into sports, but also like, is sports not about competition and like, should sports not be skills-based? things Definitely. so there are some people that think that like there should be a whole trans league um and then and like the libs are clapping for that they're like yeah but i think we should just degender sports and have everybody playing together because also this is fully 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 ignoring something that is a scientific truth which is um developmental sex character differences so like think intersex people or people with like androgyny uh, like genetic androgyny like people who like are born with one set of junk but have sex characteristics of a different set of junk you might be expecting. Um, These are scientific things that naturally happen and these people can want to do something boring like be into sports also. And so we shouldn't be casting them out also. Again, there's a focus on the binary that is totally, totally um, er- erasing, to use their word, um, people who don't fit the binary. Not just non-binary people, but I'm talking people with, uh, to, use, to use the, the conservative word, um, biological, even though we're all living beings. And so we're all biological technically. Um, th- yes, yeah, so people who are who are biologically male, they think are just um, having everything they need in this one little box. And so it gets sort of mixed up when we start getting outside of that box and thinking about androgynous people or people with multiple sex characteristics. I also want to talk to you about the house bill. Now that's coming from our very, very best friend, Patricia Morgan. Hmm um this is again about education according to her this one is about amending the curriculum now this is where this is really really fucked up um so they want to amend the curriculum in a way that prohibits anybody any teachers from teaching about race um as like a problem or like uh racial discrimination as a problem um and also talking about uh we uh, we are prohibited from talking about uh, sex and gender issues because they're children they can't deal with it um so i i went through this bill and kind of put some like highlights next to things that i wanted to make sure that i read mm-hmm. um like that I- ideological materials worksheets homework text or assigned reading and or mentor discussions that depict identity groups as oppressors and or victims shall not be incorporated within the pedagogy or curricula of schools provided historical facts or historical Factual events shall be taught and presented as historical factual events uh, as part of a highly high quality curricula. So we can't say oppressors and victims anymore. We can't, we now can't talk about colonialism uh, and other things like that. If this
0: bill passes,
4: if this bill passes. Uh, Another one history shall be taught using the standards, customs, and traditions in use at the time of the historical event. So we can go back to slavery and just like use that context. Cause that was a great time. Uh, all sides of the topic have to be taken into consideration here again. <laughs> yeah. uh, Got to have all sides of the it topic. You you really
0: consult historians before they come up
2: with this stuff, because oh, that it's even just ridiculous. I, well, I, I hope that when they go over the Holocaust, they really think about how the Nazis. Yeah. All felt. sides.
4: I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, books and instructional materials shall not center any race, ethnicity, gender, religion, or viewpoint. So we can't have, like, Black History Month, I guess, anymore. Um, No, uh, they do say no individual is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously, solely by virtue of his or her race or sex. So it's just impossible.
2: Sponsored by white guilt.
4: You know, um... Schools shall not use the 1619 project curriculum or any other curricula that pursues a predominantly ideological and or activist outcome. Educational staff are prohibited from electioneering, pursuing activism or advocating for specific political beliefs or candidates. No visual materials such as banners, posters, handouts, promoting racial advocacy shall be allowed in the school setting. Values, psychological and medical counseling, And political activism shall not be taught in the classroom or any other school setting. Children shall be addressed using their common names and the pronouns associated with their biological gender, unless parental or guardian permission to do otherwise is obtained. Now, this is especially dangerous, guys. And I know that I'm going on a little bit longer than maybe you want me to, but...
1: Definitely fine.
4: um, Outing children to their parents is dangerous. Hmm. that's going to get people kicked out of their houses. It's going to get people killed is what it's going to do. And say in some of these other States, um, it there's also legislation around this particular topic. Teachers are going to legally be required to out their students to their parents, but that that's not okay. We can't have that. We can't be doing that. Um,
1: These schools need to be safe for our
0: students.
4: It's not safe. Yeah.
0: It's you know it it's it's really contradictory when we look at the decline of public schooling and we blame it on the state, but then we have legislation like this that is actually contributing to the decline of public education. Um, so they're sort of like kicking themselves in the in the heel here. And I also uh, want to point out: I'm looking at this. Uh, um, this is the Senate, the Senate bill. bill now. It's almost like. The the law drafters, it's almost like Morgan and Lombardo just like google you, you know how like when you're on you're in a, like an online debate with someone and they mention like something you don't know and you're like, oh shit, I'm gonna Google this Sound like, you google, And you and you find some like dumbass articles of from a news source that you've never heard of, but it proves what you want to say. so you send it anywhere and you're like, yeah, I win. And they're not looking at is. their
4: sources too. It's like none of this is credible. This is all pure garbage. They'll try to call it science, but again, for every one of their sources, there is another sort. You can for everything that they Google, you can Google the myth of biological sex. I mean, you can all of this stuff is Googleable, but it doesn't serve their agenda, so they're not going to also, you know, the talk journal. about how. Uh, Two world championships showed that women with higher testosterone levels performed better in only five out of 21 events. Because remember, women can have testosterone. Cis women can have high levels of testosterone Mm -hmm.
2: too. I think this is just symptomatic of um, the individualistic aspect of capitalist society, where they're looking at these children playing games and they're saying, but which one's going to win? You know, we need to have this competitive. So the winner wins. When Mm. I remember being a child, and being an outcast in a lot of social groups just because I'm a weird kid and um or I was a weird kid so I'm, now I'm a weird, still
4: pretty weird I'm a weird
2: adult now <laughs> but uh yeah I just wanted to be a part of a team you know and I imagine that kids when they're growing up you know if they're of whatever however they identify themselves they just want to feel accepted and by doing all of this you're just causing trauma psychological trauma to these kids
4: well so that sort of begs the question like what are sports about like what is sportsmanship about what is healthy uh competition about really for people you know is it about like coming together with a family and like um you know team building and like union unity and stuff like that or is it about you know trophies
0: this comes from the sexually obsessed parent who's Son or daughter or whatever is on a team who goes to their child's match, soccer match or whatever, and sees a trans kid and is like, oh, what a little pervert. And they're clearly doing better <laughs> than my than my child because uh it's a boy and this isn't fair. But actually, your child probably just sucks at soccer. Yeah, maybe it's, you <laughs> it's should probably all that's going <laughs> yeah. on. Get good kid.
4: Your kid should probably just be better at sports. Um
0: that yeah yeah but and a lot of these are like uh referring to old laws and even old articles so oh yeah the the science is like from out the 70s of the, yeah some Jeez. of it's from the 70s uh one of them is i think russia karolinska institute which like okay so you can you can these conservatives can like really hate russia right now but at the <laughs> same time you could use their science because you know it proves your point um but yeah, this is ridiculous. Um, I don't even know. It, it is like you're saying, Andy. It is a
2: symptom of like this, like hyper individualistic. There was a program in China where they were showing kids in um in a circle, all bouncing the ball and then moving to the right, and then bouncing the ball and then moving to the right, and everyone's yep. working together as a team, team building and unity, and that's part of communistic society. It, it's everyone progresses together, mm-hmm. not one person is better than the rest, and you can see how like the idea where you have a, a perfect genetic specimen to win at this event can kind of lead you down like this road of like eugenicizing sports and and then looking at like the difference between genders and splitting it up and making it a an individualistic uh abomination
4: yeah so this stuff is this stuff is set to be voted on in the current legislative what do they call it assembly um it's going on until june so like do i think it's gonna pass no but uh it's scary because it's just good people are just going to keep amending their language and amending their language until it gets to where they're trying to get it to go and it's just pure transphobia and racism and classism is what it is and
0: scapegoating
4: and it's out well of course always and that's always been the thing red scare um you know the holocaust fuck um and like any like white women calling black women black men dangerous and shit you know it's just it's all it's all bad. <laughs> but it's all yeah scapegoatism and these are fucking kids man there's little ass kids also shout out to every one of my transgender ladies who are like not at all athletic i just want you to know that i see you and i love you
0: yeah i've seen some big ass <laughs> vagina havers that could definitely kick my butt in any sport i just want to put that out there
4: uh and just this obsession with vaginas and peas in there. Weird,
0: it is uh,
4: also okay from adults
1: writing this legislation, yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. What is that? If you get into a car accident tonight and your dick gets chopped off, are you automatically a woman now?
0: I I guess I get to decide, but according to Patricia Morgan, probably not. I don't know,
4: it nothing makes any sense to me, but you can. There are again lots of science.com guys, like, there's there if you want to argue with your aunt, we can talk about it together, but also you can go to the internet. There is a lot of the science, even though it's just coming out, there is a lot of it.
0: All of also, the... Go ahead,
1: Carlos. Also, when it comes down to it, mm. all the students, teachers, and the variety of local organizations, like of course, none of them are going to stand for it. Like they're all going to organize and they're all going to make sure that stuff like this, like gets thrown out immediately and also work towards making sure that this kind of legislation that's just brain rotted is just completely a thing of the past as time goes on
4: right and it's not just democrats versus republicans either like a lot of democrats are transphobic and Mm -hmm. and so are the democrats going to save us no and is more cishet people writing legislation that we vote on going to save us no is voting for more democrats going to save us no
0: i guess the question that these people really have to ask themselves is what is it that really determines sport ability is it this mythical all powerful and uh substance called testosterone (laughs) or is it like you know, what neoliberalism has told us all along. It's drive, it's determination, it's waking up when your alarm clock goes off, it's putting yourself out there. Like, if that's what you actually believe, then apply that to sports as well, because it seems to me that, like, that's what actually determines uh, sport ability.
2: Unless you're doing curling, then I don't know what I don't think any of this. I don't this think it has that
4: has any bearing on. Currently. I don't think this is
2: anything about sports or anything no. about anything besides. And it um, never was. The it's like,
4: like fucking segregated shit wasn't uh, like racially segregated shit wasn't about that either. It's never been about bathrooms.
2: The, yeah, this is about them finding a way to not change society because they benefit from it.
4: Right. right. This right. is uh,
2: the broken wheel on the car, and you know it's slowing everybody down. And uh, eventually, we're going to get to a point where we can get past it. We just got to make sure that we block these legislations so that we can continue forward forward momentum.
4: If I may, I would like to finish by just giving a little anecdote from my upbringing. Uh, I remember growing up in a more conservative, conservative area, and I was in a dentist's office, and there was some kind of People magazine or some such on the table, and it was talking about how the Lance Bass from NSYNC is now gay, <laughs> just now. He's, he's come out, as gay, and one little child in the waiting room with me turns to the second little child in the waiting room and says, did you know that sometimes boys can love other boys? And the second little kid's like, what are you, what do you mean? So like, I'm saying sometimes boys like to kiss other, bo-. and the kid knocked, uh, shuts him off and says, oh, don't even talk about it. And that's what these guys are doing. Don't even talk about it.
0: That reaction is like socially constructed, which is important. Well, to of course, it's all people. socially
4: constructed. It's like,
0: you know, ha-
4: is fake.
0: having a child, I know that like those type of reactions are things that they learn at home. They learn from their parents and they learn from other relatives around them. There's no kid that just naturally... Uh, uninfluenced by anybody would have that reaction. They no. would just be like, oh, okay, we're...
4: Something mm-hmm. they heard, and it's all fake colonial bullshit anyway.
0: Yeah. True that.
4: Sorry, I took over that segment. No, that was
2: fantastic. Uh, did Is there anything
0: else going on in, in Rhode Island these these days that i'm missing
2: um gina raimondo was named the uh designated survivor for the state of the union That's address first yeah so like
4: <laughs> imagine <laughs> wow so,
5: like, we have to be careful oh, who we,
2: uh, yeah we gotta be careful oh, who, we, uh,
5: who
2: we vote who we vote for because they could very well be running the country at some point even someone as you know the governor of the smallest state in the united states yeah, um, we're still putting that. Position. This should be
0: an argument against anarcho-terrorism because if somebody blew up that room, <laughs> still <be> right <laughs> they don't want Gina. You would have Gina. So if your if you're if your solution to uh, the United States's uh, political problems is terrorism, mm. you should think twice about who you're going to
2: put in place. Or just <laughs> get
4: to it earlier.
2: You got to cover all your bases. Yeah we should actually just get a gun It's easier that way well
4: yeah
2: yeah everybody listening should be arming themselves i understand that gun control is kind of a strange thing and among leftists there's a lot of dissenting opinions but i believe that owning firearms or knowing how to use them is very important especially if you are a part of society that's uh, subjugated by um homogenous society so and- To
1: add on to that as well, if we take that example of like the 15 neo-Nazis rolling up to a community library, we also need to take account like that day they rolled up 15 deep into a community library to harass and basically threaten people for reading a book. What's to happen when they one day roll up to one of our houses? Are we not going to be armed and be ready to defend ourselves if God forbid something like that were ever to be the case? So the marginalized should most definitely or mainly everyone should most definitely consider the idea of being trained, being able to protect themselves and part of being able to protect yourself is being armed.
2: We can see how quickly uh, liberals move to support Nazis uh, with everything happening in Ukraine without getting too far deep into everything um, social media like Twitter and Facebook, is allowing people to praise the Azov Battalion as long as they're killing Russians. Um, America has a terrible history of um, utilitarianism and pragmatism where it's kind of like, the enemy's my enemy's my friend. That's why NATO was, you know, staffed with SS or ex-SS officers. And uh, Che Guevara was uh, hunted down and killed by Klaus uh, Barbie, a contractor who used to be in the SS um, by the United States of America. And um, we can see the pattern just happening over and over again. And um, on many scales all over the place. Yeah, actually, if you want to read more about this, there's a book called Blowback um, that's over at Red Ink. And it talks about the history of American involvement with um, Nazism. And um,
4: there's a show on Amazon, which is ironic, but there's a show on Amazon about Nazi hunters. It might be called Nazi hunters.
1: (laughs) Oh, I've seen that. It's it's interesting.
4: Yeah. But it's about about the um, Project Paperclip or Operation Paperclip. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Basically, a pro tag goes around hunting down like Nazis in their like city. It's pretty nice.
4: (laughs) Yeah, that part of it is nice.
2: It's the dream. Before uh, we end, this is my last episode. So I just want to say thank you to everybody listening. And um, I've learned a lot. I've met a lot of really cool people, done a lot of cool things. Um, It's been a lot of fun with two of my very, very good friends on the podcast and um, being a part of the Providence leftist community has made me a better person. And I look forward to continuing um, being a part of that community. So thanks for listening and thanks for supporting us. And uh, thanks for supporting everybody that we've had on all the guests as well.
4: I will remember you.
0: Hell yeah. Thank you. we so our guest for today is Weber, or Weber, or how did you pronounce it, Carlos?
1: Oh, nah, now you're putting me on the spot. I don't remember. I think I said uh, Weber, or Weber. we're about to
0: find out how to pronounce yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> they're about to come on. Uh, so tune in for the interview portion of the show.
4: Hey, thanks for tuning in. We are back, and we're here with Weber Renew. Uh, I've got two lovely folks here. How are you guys doing? Good.
5: good. Doing good this thank evening, you. thank you.
4: Welcome. Would you mind introducing yourselves for all of us?
3: So my name is Ashley Perry and I am the Pawtucket Program Manager here at Project now.
4: Welcome.
5: And I'm Dennis Baylor. I'm the Overdose Prevention Program Director um, here at our organization. Uh, just just for um, context, I'm um, a person in long-term recovery. Uh, I've been doing this work here for about seven years, and I just feel real fortunate to be able to be in this field and uh, do the work that, uh, that we do. Yeah.
4: Well, we're very grateful that you are here and that you're here doing the work that you're doing. Would you tell us more about overdose prevention? What, the, what okay. does that mean?
5: All right. Well, I guess I'll start with what comes to my mind first, uh, speaking about the organization. So Project Weber Renew is a peer-led harm reduction organization. What, uh, when I say that, what I think of is, uh, first of all, we're all peers. The majority of our staff are people who have lived experience that matches up to the uh, individuals that we we engage with on a regular basis. Uh, Lived experience such as uh, substance use disorder, um, uh, mental health issues, um, uh, sex work current or present uh, in in their lives. Um, We have uh, uh, transgender individuals on staff, uh, individuals who are living with HIV, Um, hepatitis c um things of that type so we're all peers and uh harm reduction um when i think of that and of course this is a definition that i don't get from a book but uh just uh, how i see it in my life harm reduction refers to Dealing with individuals who have different issues, primarily substance use disorder, and trying to work with them and find a way to reduce the harm that they're likely to encounter while they're living in particular lifestyles, different um, different practices, whether it be sex work, whether it sex work, whether it be a substance use disorder, we want to try to. We're not trying to tell everybody to, to change your life. You got to stop, right? Uh, not all the time. Either somebody's not willing to do that at this time, or they're just not able to at this time. So while they're living whatever lifestyle it is, how can we, as an organization, what can we provide you that'll help reduce the harm that you're likely to encounter? In um, overdose prevention, of course, I. I'm sure you all know, um, uh, here in our country and and of course in our state, uh, the opioid epidemic has uh, caused um, the highest rate of overdose we've ever seen in our country and in our state. Um, So we want to, of course, do as much as we can to make sure we don't lose any more lives, bottom line. so uh, overdose prevention is about, uh, of course, you know, there's, this, there's this phrase, people say meeting people where they're at, but yeah, we meet people um, at whatever um, area of uh, the status of their life is, whether, whether they're having problems with housing, um, whether living in shelters or sober living or, or, or well housed, but still using we want to do what we can to make sure that that people don't die because we know the. Okay, here I go running. running going on? I say I drew a it's good. It's good. You know, we know that. We know that uh, with the um, addition of fentanyl and almost all of the illicit drugs, the streets street drugs that are sold on the street, so many people are dying. They're just dying. It doesn't matter if they're. Uh, it used to be primarily uh, the person who intravenously uses heroin or fentanyl, used to be that they were the ones at the highest risk of overdose. Well, now we're finding that uh, there's a larger group, people who are using party drugs, uh, such as uh, molly,
3: ecstasy, ecstasy things like
5: that, things like that. Uh, um, methamphetamine, uh, these some of the pills that are bought on the street, and also cocaine, whether it be powder or crack, I now being laced with fentanyl. So, so many more people are at risk of overdose. So we wanna do what we can to try to prevent some of those overdoses.
4: What, <clears throat> what can you teach us about how, how we can do that?
3: So everybody should have and know how to use Narcan.
4: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: if you don't have Narcan or you don't know how to use Narcan, you can always get in touch with us on our website at info.weber renew.org and there's a lovely video of Dennis here teaching everyone how to use Narcan and if you email us we will make sure we can find a way to get you some Narcan um, and like I said everyone should have Narcan. The Surgeon General of America recommends that everybody can carry Naloxone in their first aid kits but not enough people know about it. We need to act like you know we've we seen in the COVID pandemic, that's so many people, right? Everybody was responding, everybody wears masks, most of the population is vaccinated, et cetera. But we don't see those same types of harm reduction when it comes to overdose. Mm -hmm. Um, So everybody should do their part in this epidemic and carry naloxone at least.
5: So, I'm sorry, naloxone is one piece of the puzzle. Uh, We also have uh, fentanyl test strips so that the person who's using a particular substance and they don't wanna really encounter uh, fentanyl, uh, there's these test strips that, that are, um, uh, can help them uh, determine if there's fentanyl in the drug. Um, it's not hundred percent accurate, but still, if we can get somebody to at least think about being more safe, uh, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll use a little less, uh, use a little slower, uh, make sure that they have uh, um, uh, naloxone on hand, uh, that they don't use alone. Uh, those are things that we advise people to do. And uh, uh, by by starting the conversation uh, with providing a fentanyl test strip, we we then can of course engage and, and give them other information on what to do to try to stay safe.
2: You also have a needle exchange program at Weber Renew, do you not?
3: Yeah, so we're one of the largest distributors of um, clean needles in Providence and Pawtucket. Uh, so we we go out in our outreach bands daily and we give out um, tons of clean needles and we also take tons of clean needles back. Um, we also plan a lot of needle cleanups throughout the year, trying to keep our neighborhoods safe um, in every way possible. So yeah, we do give out a lot of clean needles and um, we know that uh, only less than 3% today of new HIV cases are because of intravenous drug use. So we see that our work is actually, you know, making a difference, so.
5: And so of course, as we mentioned, the outreach. Outreach is one of the um, biggest pieces of this organization. You see, we have these three vans and we drive around uh, Providence, Pawtucket, and Central Falls. And um, we go to what we call the spots where people are using. And we just, we, we engage with people. And again, because we have this lived experience, because we're peers, we're able to build a trust, build a rapport, because believe me, uh, most of our employees, we understand the, the feelings that go behind uh, usage. It's not always a party. It's not always a big party, you know? Uh, and we understand that, so we're able to build a rapport and we, uh, we drive around, we, we engage people on the streets, we uh, provide them with the, with the uh, safe injection kits. Uh, We, we, of course, give them the fentanyl test strips. We give them either nasal or intramuscular Narcan. Uh, Of course, during the winter now, we're giving out coats and and, uh, sleeping bags and blankets, whatever a person needs. Uh, We we do a pretty good job of uh, uh, supplies, giving out supplies to people uh, who might be uh, encountering different issues, difficulties in their lives. And if they want to stop, we'll transport them. treatment detox or the mental health facilities uh we'll put them in the van we'll give them a ride and say you want to stop come on hop in we'll take you somewhere and we we do that um daily daily we have three offices we have one in onlyville one in Pawtucket and also one here in Providence and um yeah so like I said we handle primarily those areas there are other good uh Home reduction organizations that handle other parts of the state, but we focus on the uh, Providence, Pawtucket, uh, Orneville, uh, those, uh, those general areas. That's quite the operation. Well, it's, I mean, it, we see ourselves as a pretty small operation, now, we're, of course, we're a nonprofit. So uh, all of our funding comes from grants and uh, donations. Uh, we have a staff of about uh, what are we at the twenty-six, I think now.
3: Twenty-six or twenty-seven. You know, 26
5: or seven people. Um, so, and, and we're and we're a young organization as well. We're a very young organization, but because of the commitment, dedication, leadership that we have, uh, I would have to say, you know, in all modesty, that we are like the leader in out street outreach in Providence, Clark Central Falls, we're the leader in harm reduction uh can we take harm reduction seriously but again we're not talking about you must stop you must change the lines we're talking about what are you doing now how can we help and that's the bottom line that's the bottom line how how can we help you
0: now something that you've brought up a few times is the idea of lived experience and so i wanted to ask each one of you you know you can both answer it what is the importance of lived experience and what you do and why why is it important?
3: Why does it matter? Um, So for me, you know, the things that I've experienced in my life, I was a previous sex worker. I am somebody who's in long-term recovery from opioid use. And one of the things that I know is that both of those things that I engaged in um, are criminalized, right? So people are kind of hidden within these communities that we work in and they don't trust everybody to talk to them about. Again, we're talking about their daily lives are basically, you know, criminalized, again, um, so people don't trust everybody that they talk to, and it's super important that we are putting people um, in front of them who they can trust, who they who they know has been through the same things, you know, um, and one thing about, you know, any substance use disorder is that it's really hard to navigate those systems, and those systems have been very punitive, and, you know, historically have been very punitive, and people don't always uh, want to trust the doctors or don't want to trust you know, whoever to bring them where they need to go, but they do trust that we have been through it. We're kind of like they're living hope in some ways. Um, So I feel like that's part of the one big part of the reason why people trust us and why lived experience is so
5: important. Yeah, then Um. when you're using there's so much stigma and so much judgment uh, that you come across. And um, those are the type of things that we wanna make sure that uh, when somebody uh, engages with us, with us, that they don't experience. Um, you know, who am I to judge? Because all I know is one, and I, I, I've been in all those difficult situations and I believe uh, that first of all, I'm blessed to be out of them, but all it takes is one bad decision and I could be right back there. So um, I do not judge uh, some of the worst case Individuals that we may see who are living, who are living, um, you know, just a rough, rough existence. I can't. I don't want to judge them. What I do want to do is let them know that I understand. And if there's anything I can do to help, and uh, anything within reason, of course, anything I can do to help, or that this organization can provide, you know, I want to. I want to do that, or I want to get them to the people who can do that. Um, it's just. It's just about, you know showing the kind of compassion and understanding that each and every one of us would want shown to us if we're having some difficulties in our lives. And a lot, a lot of us too. and our, our staff, we do, I think we do an excellent job of not stigmatizing and judging individuals uh, because of whatever lifestyles they may be, leaving, may be living.
4: This hey. work
1: that you all do, is sorry. Um, This work that y'all do is honestly very necessary. Again, in the conditions that we currently exist, there are multiple reasons why people would do what they would do. And the the fact that y'all exist to not only be able to provide the resources needed so that those in our community are safe, you are as well building that community as well, like you mentioned. Uh, people are not gonna just trust a random doctor, but they will trust someone that they would be con- they would consider being their community. So, like that outreach um, that you mentioned is really important. It it will make sure it's going to not only keep everyone safe, but most importantly, it's going to save lives.
5: Yeah, I mean, as an organization, I don't know the exact number, but uh, with our small staff. We have directly um, got involved and saved with the use of Narcan uh, um, someplace around 20 or a little less than 20 lives So direct contact with individuals who are overdosing on a particular scene, uh, we step in and um, you know we do what we can we do what we can to, to save lives and, and even if that means being the one who, the first responder, if you will, uh, to engage and save the life, uh, we do that. And and I'm very proud of that fact. Uh, Ashley herself um, uh, has uh, uh, come across, because of the the outreach we do, we come across people while they're in the midst of using. So if you do it enough, you're gonna come across people who are actually in the midst of an overdose. And uh, how many people have you wound up?
3: I think like five or six, but I mean, you know, to me, it's not even saving somebody's life, it's just giving them a next shot to go forward. Um, you know, and a lot of other organizations within our state really concentrate on recovery and getting people into recovery. But what we don't see is that if somebody isn't alive, they're never gonna make it there. Um, so our job is really just to keep people alive. So when it is their time, um, they have a shot.
5: Very very well said. And I, I've, I've, I've had that opportunity um, uh, three times to administer Narcan. Um, and you know, I, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like to look at it as I, as I did something very special or heroic, but I, I just did what I think needed to be done. And like Ashley says, uh, just to give someone another chance, um, if they, if I have, I've never come across anybody, uh, that I've, you know, administered Narcan to a second time, but if they did... I'm still not going to judge them. Um, I'm still going to do what I can uh, uh, to see if I can assist. Uh, Because again, I, being a man in recovery, I know what it is to, I'm not, I wasn't an opioid user, but I sure did destroy my life pretty good using crack cocaine. Use it pretty darn good. I destroyed it pretty good. And I know there are many times where it seems like, I think to myself, "Why, why don't you stop? Why don't you just stop? But the substance use disorder, the disease, um, uh, doesn't listen. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? Over it outweighs rational, rational thinking, or it it outweighs uh, sometimes the pain and consequences that we run into uh we just wind up using again so if I our opioid user i might wind up overdosing again we, we see people who overdose multiple times and we hate to see them overdose but more importantly we're glad to see that they're still alive afterwards and that's that's the bottom line like Ashley said giving somebody another chance because uh, not many of us want to continue to live that way there's a piece of us that wants to. A lot of the times, again, we don't force to Tell anybody that they have to stop. But they want to continue using all their life. That's their choice. But a lot of times, there's a lot of pain and and misery and all the stuff behind that. Um, so it's some. at Usually, I guess, in most people' most people's lives, at some point, we want to make a change. We want to stop. Uh, but is there somebody that we trust that we can go to, um, who's not going to judge us? Uh, that that will tell tell that to and, and ask for that help, and that's where organizations like ours come in. is just to be available uh, when that person has that thought, has that what could be considered a moment of clarity. Here at say the twelve step moments, twelve step meetings, and have that moment of clarity when they want to change their lives. Uh, people come to us because they they know that we understand, and they see they seek they see us living the example of what recovery can be because. Uh, Despite what uh, it looks like sometimes, we all believe that recovery is possible, but that's something that somebody wants.
4: Do you offer training on how to administer uh, Narcan and Naloxone?
5: Absolutely. Uh, We do quite a bit, quite quite a large number of uh, Narcan trainings, whether it be a large group or individual. Ashley and I have been to some very large groups, uh, close to 200 individuals. uh, doing a NARCAN training, uh, we do trainings in all types of environments. Uh, we we do not care if they if somebody's interested enough to uh, want the information, we want to provide it. And uh, and uh, during certain times uh, uh, earlier when our organization was uh, doing work, rec- we we drive all over the state. We would drive anywhere in the state uh, to provide to provide a training. And uh, so the answer is of course yes. <laughs> so we certainly so we do. We do trainings, and we we love doing them.
2: So you're doing so much. How can people that are listening do something for Weber, Project Weber Renew? How can we help you?
3: Yeah, so anytime anybody can ever drop off uh, donations to us of things like uh, clothing, coats, socks, things like that, those are things that we also give away daily. Um, And something else that we didn't talk about was um, the amount of food and water we actually give away. So we actually give away more food and water than any of our other supplies. Um, So again, you can email us at infoweberrenew.org and um, make a donation to us, that is always super helpful.
5: Yeah, I'm just thinking about um, some of our services. I just wanna go through this real quick. you know, at any one of our three locations, a uh, person can get the uh, HIV Hep C uh, testing. We do condom distribution, uh, PrEP, uh, which of course is um, uh, something that uh, somebody's living a risky lifestyle can do to ensure that they don't catch HIV. Uh, but we have PrEP linkage. Uh, again, like we've already spoken about the, the fentanyl test strips and Lockstone, the, uh, the trainings that we do, needle exchange. Uh, we also uh, also have a a, a project um, called a the Thea Project where we assist people who uh, um, have uh, run into uh, being human trafficked. Uh, we have uh, so human trafficking support, uh, immigration advocacy. Uh, again, we have with the we have uh, different service services for the LGB TQ um, uh, community. Uh, we have a support group. Uh, called uh, Beyond Gender um, for the um, transgender individuals. Um, But yeah, I just wanted to go with those different services that we we provide as well. So we do do a lot, we do a heck of a lot and it's not always easy work, but we do the best we can. Yeah.
4: Yeah, you do. I went to one, uh, I went to the overdose awareness day event in the park Um, Uh Ashley I think you put that on
5: Um,
4: and that was really special I I, I try to be open about my uh, two-year journey with sobriety um, and how uh, I really do think that stigma is what kills the most Um, and so I'm really really grateful um, on a very personal note very grateful to have you guys exist and that one uh, ceremony was really lovely really moving
3: thank you so much and we really want to make that something annual um, because through all of our journeys we have really realized that the opposite of recovery is never like sobriety but it's really community and we want to stay in touch with our beautiful community and keep growing that community so thank you for that
4: carlos do you have anything to add
1: um, I think I have one part. Um, how do I word it? So one thing that we see, especially within our city, um, the substance use is everywhere, essentially, and we need to make sure that we are able to help all of those within our city. Uh, one example that I know listeners of this episode will be able to hear is um, for those of us who are involved in other communities such as like the local music scene. Um, there are work that each and every single one of us for those who are listening to this episode right now that you know we could be doing things in relation to partaking in fundraisers for this organization, um, seeing if we have an extra table for this organization to come by because us in this music scene, we are very aware of what goes on in our music scene. Uh, one of those specifically being the usage of substances. And for someone who is in punk, um, it's become a, it's become a constant where we would see people that we knew or just people generally a part of our local music scene or the more New England music scene no longer with us anymore. Um, so again, this work is necessary we should definitely see how we can include organizations like this into the events that we have, that we can make sure that we can keep everyone and each other safe. And I guess also in relation um, before this, unrelated, but also related, um, uh, I run a space called Aldios. And as of April 23rd, we will be having a folk punk slash regular punk event in which half of the donations for it, actually, we were planning to give to y'all.
5: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you very much. I wasn't aware of that, so uh, thank you. And and Carlos, I'm so glad to hear you mention uh, the music scene. Um, To the best of my knowledge, as far as the organizations that I'm aware of who are doing this work, we haven't really made too many inroads into the music scene, but uh, just as of late, I've been speaking to a couple individuals uh, uh, who work at different venues throughout our city. And I realize also well, now there's a population that we really haven't been able to engage with. And, and uh, you know, we have an eclectic uh, uh, taste for music throughout our organization, throughout our people uh, who work here. So we would love to be able to engage with venues, bars, promoters, uh, whoever the case may be, uh, who's looking to make sure that the people who come to their events uh, have the tools necessary so they can do the partying they want, but still be as safe as possible by having the proper knowledge and supplies available. So, thank you for for mentioning that. Yeah, that's that, that's something we really definitely like to, definitely like to engage with with you there.
0: The last question I want to ask before we get to fun questions is about critics because um, you know I'm one of the. Executive directors of Red Inc. And so I'm sure that you've heard about what happened to Red Ink a few weeks ago. Um, and sort of, you know, any of these social outreach uh, initiatives that exist, whether it be harm reduction or, or what have you, um, comes with an entire group of critics and people who have doubts about what you do or raise doubts about what you do uh, or don't see it as legitimate or see it as counterproductive. So has Weber Renew, Project Weber Renew come across critics and, and how do you engage with them?
5: Well, let me just tell you, okay, as a as a black man living in America who has used drugs, uh, who's uh, on who, who has pretty much been on the lower, lower, lower rung of the economic uh, ladder uh, to be criticized, right? Is something that I had to deal with my entire life. So as I come into this organization doing this work, I know that there are people who just aren't going to be on board. Right? They're not going to be on board for whatever reason. But there's also a group of people who need the services we provide, mm-hmm. um, who, without the services we provide, um, are going to feel totally left out, totally unengaged, uh, are not going to have any motivation for change because. It's that, it's, that, it's that realization that somebody cares about you that can really make you turn, to, turn the table um, to want uh, to make changes. We don't want anybody to feel exiled or, or like uh, so. But, it, but anyways, the point being, um, you know, it, when you have this lived experience and you come across criticism and racism or different types of uh, judgments in different ways uh you, you can develop a develop a tough skin for that so you know what other people with people who want on board whatever they think you know it's like you know I, I don't i don't use a lot of uh a lot of vulgarity in my language but you know what i want to say about them you know it's like psh, whatever they think that's that's not that's not important you know let, let's continue just continue to strive forward uh, do the important work uh you know as an organization uh you know where we're, we're looking to get involved in the harm the harm reduction centers you know in our state of course uh, they just passed legislation the law where we can open up a harm reduction center otherwise known as a safe injection site um, we're going to run into a lot of roadblocks a lot of criticism without with that because uh, we don't want to call them harm, uh, safe injection sites but that's just for uh, reference we call them harm, uh, harm reduction center uh, but uh, you know we want to be involved in harm reduction centers because again I think that we need to go, first of all, what this country has been doing for the past, how many years to deal with uh, substance use? Uh, is it working? I'd say not. Um, so we need to do some, do some different things to, to stop loss of life, to increase inclusion, um, and um, uh, the harm reduction center, we think is another tool um, that we can use to again prevent overdoses, uh, get people getting people engaged to other services. because of course, the harm reduction center isn't all about using. It's also about engagement. It's about providing supplies. And it's also about providing information for treatment, detox, whatever whatever other uh, life changes a person they want to make. Uh, but again criticism there's going to be some but uh you know if 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 you're not willing to i don't think anything any major good ideas have come along without a lot of criticism a lot of people who are doubting uh but the when the change the change happens when people stick to their guns and uh, continue that type of work uh you can't can the criticism stop you I guess that's a long answer, right? A long, <laughs> a long answer for kind of that question. But yeah, you can't candid criticism stop us. We got to continue doing this work.
0: Yeah, you so that, that's a great response. There's no no too long response. I think it's good to address criticism and, and how you are sort of unfazed by it or you have, as you said, developed a tough skin. Um, but Now we'll get to the segment of this interview where I may judge you, and that is when I ask you, for example, what is your favorite color Gatorade? (laughs) Mine's
5: blue. I'm going to say the same thing, blue. Blue. All right. Wow. Blue Gatorade. Definitely the blue Gatorade. Standard. Okay. All right. I have
4: a
1: question. Go ahead. Um, Especially when we were talking about local music, because, you know, um, music scene, even though it's a small city, it's pretty big. We have like punks, we have like folks into like indie and, you know, all over the place. But as long as far as like music genres go, um, what are you all into?
3: So (laughs) So I'm very bipolar and so is all the music I listen to. So one moment I might be listening to like gospel music and then like go back to my childhood real quick and listen to like Avril Lavigne or something. But um, lately I have been uh, listening to a lot of Afro beats music just because I've been doing a lot of like dancing with my children and whatnot. So, (laughs) um, yeah, lately it's definitely been Afro beats for me. Do you have anybody to recommend for us? No, I can't even say half of their names, so I wouldn't, <laughs> want, to, I wouldn't want to say it. Fair enough.
4: Yeah.
5: Daniel, you got one? Well, let's see. Um, Dennis. Dennis. There's no one. There's, there's no one genre, no, because you know I'm a I'm a guy who grew up in the '60s, uh, '60s and '70s. Uh, um, I'm probably older than you think, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> But you can't tell is a good thing but at least at least i, I like to believe you can't tell anyway but you know, i grew up in the 60s and 70s and um you know did a lot of listening to the radio at that time and i grew up here in in providence and there wasn't there, there weren't many you know soul stations or whatever so i listened to a i grew up in a lot of the classic rock you know a lot of classic rock uh, uh growing up and i still appreciate appreciate it these days uh, i have a brother who was into classical music he was a he played the piano and he played the clarinet, and uh, I don't know where he got that taste for classical music. <laughs> I can't tell you, um, but anyways, um, you know I have a wide range of uh, musical tastes, and uh, but I, but I like the upbeat dance music. Um, I like music that's going to bring me up. Um, sometimes the slow songs are more than I can handle, <laughs> but I like the upbeat music, uh, whether it's. Um, uh, Pop rock, funk, um, uh, indie, alternative. I just, I just like a good beat. I, I like a good beat, and uh, so yeah. Any, I listen to anything if I if I enjoy the beat. Yeah, heck yeah!
4: Do you have a favorite breakfast food? This is important to me.
5: There's <laughs> <laughs> a question for you.
4: Favorite? I like bacon inside of a pancake. Like inside
3: ooh. of a pancake. Ooh. Of it, you know. So I might just make a pancake with a bunch of bacon on it and then another pancake, but it's inside of the pancake to me. <laughs>
5: pancake <laughs> yeah. bacon sandwich sounds awesome. Yeah, it sounds
4: incredible.
3: <laughs> really
5: good. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Uh, I'd have to go with a, a French toast, perhaps. i like a good, a good uh, thick uh, piece of French toast. Uh, nothing like it. You, you got your egg, you got your bread, you got your syrup. You, you can't go wrong, right?
4: So we're both more into like sweet breakfasts.
5: That's right, and blue Gatorades.
4: And blue, Gatorade <laughs> the blue Gatorades. On the side? Yeah. Nice. Right. All right. Good answers.
2: Mhm. Andy, you got one? Ah, oh, you took my breakfast cereal one. Um, oh, do you have a favorite place in Providence to eat at? If you could, uh, a favorite um,
5: restaurant. I'd have to say I don't have any favorites. Um. You know, I don't do a lot of fine dining, if you will, uh, but uh, you know the, the classic restaurants, family restaurants. Uh, I do appreciate them. I actually, you know, I go out I go out and eat quite a lot. Actually, I don't, don't do a lot of cooking, um, uh, so um, I eat a lot, eat out a lot. But it's still, you know, just, your, I don't want to, I don't want to plug anybody in particular, but <laughs> but uh, you know, classic uh, family restaurant dining. Uh, it's just fine by me.
3: Cool. Uh, so I used to own a hot dog cart, So I really like <laughs> to support like food trucks and whatnot. Nice. So uh, there's a taco truck on the corner of Cranston Street and Dexter Street that I yep. absolutely love. And I go there all the time. and got their tacos. They have like some of the best tacos in the state.
2: <laughs> I got to try it then. Damn. I know it's really good.
4: Yeah.
0: If you could choose one superpower.
5: Or would it be i might i might need some time to think about that one <laughs> one superpower i oh man ahead, actually you answer the question first let me think about that <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't know i
3: would maybe want to read people's minds i don't know
5: that's a good one yeah i don't know i just let me fly let me let me Oh, to fly see you know i yeah, I like the air, the wind. I, I ride a motorcycle. Ooh, I like the fly air. I like the air, the wind, uh, the ocean. So if I could fly, I could really get I could really <laughs> enjoy or get all, all much I can from those things that I like. Um, but let me ask let me ask you the same question. That that that's a good question. Uh
0: so my original answer was also uh, flying. But then my six-year-old daughter said time travel, and uh, I thought about it a lot, and I was like, damn, that is really the most elite skill because, you know, think about it. If somebody does something bad to you, you could just reverse time and go back, and then you know what they're <laughs> gonna do already. So so she was right. She had the better choice, so I, I gotta go with what she picked
5: time travel. It's, it's, yes, that's pretty. That's a pretty smart choice on her part. It's really good, yep. Yeah? How about you?
0: you, th- you you too, and Carlos oh. too.
4: This is like the hot movie right now is Encanto, and all the main characters oh. have gifts, right? You have kids. Right. You've seen this movie, absolutely, yeah.
5: absolutely. Uh,
4: and so, yeah, I think I've, I think that's been a, a question on a lot of our minds. What gift would I like to have? I like the kid who can talk to animals. Yeah, that's, that's cool. cool. We'll have this dog here. I like
1: talking. Hey, to you. That's right. Yeah. Just to make sure I'm right. What was the main question again?
4: What, what superpower do you want, Carlos?
1: Oh my God. So I read a lot of comic books, maybe too much. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of the X Men and I love all their powers. But if I were to pick one power specifically, it would probably be one that would either make life more convenient or maybe allow to do a lot of things but if anything i'd say a power i would pick would probably be one of flight
4: okay so that's three for that's
2: fly, fly so much good for flighting for flight <laughs> uh i would uh just turn into the hulk and just smash a bunch of shit <laughs> uh, it doesn't really help anything but i bet it feels great yeah
4: <laughs> which sometimes does help
2: yeah does um
0: help. <laughs> let's see let's think of another one um
4: uh, do you have a favorite article of clothing like a favorite shirt or favorite pair of socks or something like what's like, your power yeah. what's your power thing
3: i like to wear t-shirts that talk a lot of shit so mm-hmm. i like to wear t-shirts that say like "legalize drug users and the junkies i know vote and stuff like that That's so nice I like. I that.
5: want that shirt. Yeah, I actually. <laughs> I think. Um, well, I mean, I, I got a thing for footwear. Yeah. Uh, between the boots and the sneakers, I don't wear. I don't wear. I don't wear dress shoes. But I, you know, I have a for a guy of my, with my at my station in life. I have a pretty good good amount of different sneakers and and boots. So I, I like I like the footwear
4: nice uh, i'm the same way that's validating
1: (laughs) oh and to go back uh actually real quick i'm going to change my answer real quick for that superpower. (laughs) i just realized i don't know why that didn't come to me but the real superpower is basically one of my favorite heroes is i'd want the power of magnetism just like magneto because that would be (laughs) real neat
5: (laughs) <laughs> Carlos would activate it and all the punk belts would come to him. <laughs>
4: There's definitely a lot of potential there.
5: Yeah, I mean, if you have that type of strength with the magnetism that Magneto did, that's, that's pretty impressive. That's right.
2: <laughs>
5: yeah.
2: Are you all uh, cat people or dog people or Ooh. bird people or fish people or no animal people?
3: I have a cat, a dog, and a bird. Oh, so
2: you're Ooh. a zoo Nice.
3: Yes, I have a two-year-old pit bull. And I have a three-year-old cat and I have a 25-year-old African gray parrot. Oh,
2: damn.
3: (laughs) And I I love love them all. all. That's old for a bird.
2: Those birds live for like 80 years or something, right?
3: Yeah. So I actually inherited him from my grandmother. So he's been in my life, like almost my whole life.
4: Oh Um, my gosh. My grandmother had a bird. Such
0: a (laughs) life. Does he talk to you? Does he say things to you?
3: yeah so he swears a lot my grandmother swore a lot and a swearing parrot Yes, so i walk in the room and the bird whistles and swears at me but nothing like being at by your parrot i guess
5: right that's the
2: coolest family heirloom ever
5: yeah Yeah,
3: that's all i wanted i was like i don't care about anything i just want my bird (laughs)
5: just want the swearing bird I don't great. have any pets. I don't have any pets. But for the basic question, are you a cat or dog person? Definitely dog. You know, I want some. I want something that's going to give me something back. You know, yeah. You know, petting a petting a cat and um, uh, having them purr, it's nice, but that's kind of all. That's all, all you got, right? Well, they're cute and uh, sometimes playful, but no, the what a dog gives you, I think, is totally totally different. You know? Yeah.
4: Yeah, I need a lot of affection. <laughs>
0: well uh anybody else have fun questions any other questions no i think that's it um thank you so much for coming on and for doing this interview uh i think it's been extremely informative and i hope helpful for listeners and uh, you have a brick and mortar uh place too what's the address of that you have three of them
3: Uh, So we have two. We have two addresses. Uh, One is 640 Broad Street in Providence, and our Pawtucket location is 124 Broad Street in Pawtucket. Mm -hmm. We have two Broad Streets, and we have an Oniva location, but I do not know the address of it. I'm not gonna lie. Um, We just moved there, there. and we also something we actually didn't bring up is if you're ever looking for us five days a week between 10 and 2, we have a team in Kennedy Plaza every single day i um, right across the street from the Rep- Ripta station. So we are there every single day on um, Monday through Friday, 10 to 2. 10 to 2. Okay. That's
4: good.
2: Awesome. So how Google. can uh, people find you on the internet too?
3: Uh, Google project Weber Renew and you'll see us all up <laughs> there. Info Weber um, We are on Facebook, Twitter, all of those things.
0: And do you have any events coming up that you want to plug or anything?
3: Uh, not at this moment, we don't, but we are definitely starting to get in the planning of um, another big event for International Overdose Awareness Day. Um, two years ago, we we planned the largest distribution of uh, Narcan in our state. We distributed, um, I believe, almost 1,500 kits of Narcan throughout the state that day. Wow. Um, and we really want to do that again this again this year. So we're hoping we're going to start planning that soon. Yeah,
5: of course, you know, we, we, we love doing different events, you know, tabling. Uh, wherever, wherever somebody would ask us to table, but of course with COVID, that all shut down. So you know, we're looking. Hopefully, hopefully this year, this summer, uh, we're, uh, we normally we do we do we do the Pride Festival. Um, what else do we do? Uh, the AIDS, AIDS Walk we always do. Um, so there there are some staples that were that we always do. But then also, uh, whenever there's a small community event. Uh, at, a, at a local park or what the case may be. We love to, I love to pick, take the table out there with, with the tablecloth, sit down in the sun, you know, <laughs> and talk to people. Uh, it's a great part of the job, uh, tabling. So we don't have any, like I said, not, nothing much right, planned right now, but hopefully we can ramp that tabling stuff back up coming very soon.
4: Cool. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, uh, again, thanks for coming on so much. Um, and it was a pleasure talking to you
5: both. Well, well th- thank you for having us. It's really been uh, very comfortable and uh, uh, great to sit here with you. Um, and again, I hope your listeners get something out of it. Uh, but like Ashley said, uh, check us out at webrenew.org, uh, info@webrenew.org, or, or, or Facebook. Um, yeah, we again, we're, we're here to help. We're here to engage, and if people want to. And if people want to give back to us uh obviously we welcome that too yeah
4: right
5: on so, so yeah. thank you thank you very much
4: thank you so much
5: thank you okay.
4: all right have
5: a good night everyone take have care you. Night. <laughs> you too bye bye
0: all right that's the end so that is it carlos how did it go
1: uh pretty all right um oh. i think i probably have wait can you hear me yeah yeah, yeah. So I think I might, I guess I probably am putting some homework on myself. Um, I know they mentioned they reached out to some spots, but um, uh, first I'm going to check what spots they reached out to and maybe they need any help with that. And I guess I should probably reach out to especially a lot of the other local like DIY spots in our city. um, Just to let everyone know where and see, trying to like put something together so we can all.
4: Yeah, that'd be make cool. sure
1: we're all
2: safer. <laughs> Yay,
4: safer community! Yeah. What a what an
2: awesome program they have over there. Yeah, I
4: didn't realize they. Did
2: I didn't know. That. Wow, with like twenty six um, people, that's like nothing too across three locations, yeah. driving around vans, doing setups in Kennedy Plaza, and doing Narcan classes. They're doing a lot. It's pretty. Yeah,
1: cool. I'm very interested. Um, especially like about their uh, they mentioned like a a group a, a support group called Beyond Gender very interested yeah. in one, uh, what that is yeah. well w- how it goes
2: <laughs> yeah actually uh we should have hit that yeah
4: i wanted to ask them about euphoria but then i was like maybe that's disrespectful why because
2: i've never seen Euphoria.
4: critics of euphoria not me critics of euphoria say that it glorifies drug use like oh. specifically teenage drug use mm. And also like, it's not a realistic portrayal because the main character is a black girl and they're like, this would not be happening, you know? Uh, so I was going to ask them if they watch Euphoria because it would be a hot take because it's hot right now, everybody watches Euphoria. Yeah, well, well I, I mean, kids
0: definitely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, We didn't ask them for a musical recommendation, like to play after Mm. the episode. So, Carlos, because this is your first episode, we'll give you the right to choose somebody. So just uh, just email it to the PLR podcast, like somebody local, like broadly local music. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, I could I could I could figure that out today. Yeah, I'll I'll, uh, hit someone up and then get that email to you.
0: Cool. cool sounds great oh actually email me their band camp because we like to pay for the song that we use so oh hell yeah pay for it all right.
1: yeah well yeah it's also but always also better for them to send just the the dot wave uh, as well that way uh the quality
0: isn't oh yes. yeah. yeah okay True right all right cool well all right <laughs> cool good See job later thank you yeah. Talk to you next time. Take care, time.
1: y'all.
4: Good, Good night.
0: Great job.
4: Time. Great job. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. If you ask me to change, see me, right in your face. You won't change a I'm scared and anxious, I'm living this way I'm broke, not useless, just running away We are rotting away We are
2: rotting away We are rotting away away.